Welcome to the Golden Wheel Tavern. I'm glad to see you here, since you're better company than what I've had to deal with today. A group of adventurers came in and sat down and ordered a round of drinks. When they did, I was suspicious, as they ordered one more drink than there were people in their group. Or so I thought. Eventually, I ended up asking them about the extra drinks, and the entire party seemed to have the realization that a person was missing and it seems they knew it was a bad sign. I was informed that their compatriot was known for causing trouble on a whim, so I immediately took action and found the rascal in my cellar, attempting to poison the ale I've been saving for a royal wedding and set fire to my larder. When pressed for a reason, he simply just said, It's who I am! I immediately kicked him and his party out since that is absolutely no excuse to be a terrible person. Today, we'll discuss what kind of person he claimed to be, and how he did it wrong in my opinion. We'll be discussing rogues today. A rogue is an expert. They've taken time and energy to master a set of skills to help them through their pursuits in life. They are rarely matched in regard to their wide expertise, which makes them incredible at what they aim to do. Typically, a rogue focuses this ability to master a trait at stealth and deception, but some often focus on abilities better set for dungeon environments, such as the skills needed for disarming traps or picking locks. A rogue not only is skillful in regards to their abilities, but combat as well, where a rogue focuses on grace and finesse in combat rather than brute force. A rogue would typically rather strike with deadly accuracy at a critical point on an enemy, then just strike the enemy as hard as they can. They also have a great skill at avoiding damage, dodging and ducking attacks that would be impossible for another to avoid. Some rogues even take up magics to increase their potency in regards to both their combat maneuvers and their expert skill set. We'll definitely cover more on this later, but a rogue is typically unlawful, but not always. A rogue can very likely end up as a cut purse, a burglar, or an assassin. They are typically part of a larger organization, as a rogue working with other rogues will have less competition and more information, but a rogue can do their job solo as well. Even as a solo act, a rogue will typically find an apprentice now and then to teach to assist them in especially large heists or jobs. Just because a rogue is typically unlawful though, does not mean they have to be. A rogue can easily take up a job to help the town or city they live in, such as a locksmith, a private eye, or an exterminator, going down into the cramped and narrow sewers to fight off the beasts down there, which are far more than just the rats, but dire rats and actual monstrosities. In regards to going on adventure, the promise of wealth is more than motivation enough for a rogue. A rogue may also be going on an adventure to flee from the law. With their varied skill set, rogues may even have honed their skills for the specific purpose of infiltrating ancient crypts, temples, and ruins. Now that we understand where a rogue comes from, and we have a brief understanding of how they might act, let's get into their abilities. 
A rogue gets the most common die for their hit die, a d8. This is actually somewhat surprising, as a rogue is a martial class that does not get any sort of supernatural abilities normally, similar to the fighter which gets a d10, or in contrast to the monk who also gets a d8 and no spellcasting but has supernatural abilities. The d8 strongly emphasizes the rogue's role, which is a spacer and striker, not a tank. In regard to their own protection, a rogue gets proficiency in light armor and that's it, meaning they have to rely on their dexterity for their protection, but that fits the rogue style very well, as a rogue is meant to typically use finesse or range weapons, both of which can use dexterity for their attack bonus and damage, rather than strength. Speaking of weapons, the rogue gets proficiency in simple weapons and a collection of martial weapons, those being hand crossbows, long swords, rapiers, and short swords. Rapiers and short swords are finesse weapons, and the hand crossbow is of course a ranged weapon. The long sword gives the rogue extra options outside of their typical expertise. In regards to saving throws, a rogue gets proficiency in dexterity and intelligence saving throws. Dexterity is an obvious saving throw for the light and lithe rogue to have proficiency in. Intelligence is a little stranger. Rogues are the only non-caster class, and the only class that doesn't rely very heavily on intelligence, to have this saving throw. They are also the only non-caster class to have a mental stab for their saving throw. The justification for the intelligence saving throw, I believe, is that a rogue, being an expert in many skills, have harnessed their quick mind and intellect, being able to notice the small, subtle changes in actions, and intelligence saving throws typically help a person get past illusions or deceptions. At first level, a rogue gets three different abilities. There's no question that the rogue is an extremely skilled class, and at level 1 they start their progression down that road. They get expertise at level 1, which is the same skill that the bard receives at level 3. The rogue gets to pick two skills with which they have proficiency, or a skill and thieves tools and double their proficiency bonus for any skill check using any of the skills with which they chose to have expertise. At 6th level, a rogue gets to select another 2 skills, or a skill and thieves tools if they hadn't taken it at level 1, to get expertise with, as long as they have proficiency with those skills as well. A rogue also gets a special language at level 1. This is similar to how a druid gets druidic at level 1. A rogue gets thieves can't. This allows a rogue to send secret messages and communicate effectively with others. This allows a rogue to send secret messages and communicate effectively without others knowing what the conversation is about. Thieves can't is less of a language on its own as druidic though. Thieves can't is a set of jargon, dialect, code, and intonation used to communicate a message underneath a typical conversation. Since this undertone message is being weaved into a normal conversation, it takes four times longer to communicate a message in Thieves Cant than it would in normal speech, but it is protected and only can be understood by those who know the language. Thieves Cant is also a collection of symbols and signs that can be used to convey simple messages, such as marking where there are many guards, where a certain Thieves Guild territory is, easy marks, and safe houses. The history of Kant is actually quite interesting, from actual Thieves Kant to Polari, 
But that's not what we're discussing today. What we're discussing is a rogue, which gets its most signature ability at level 1 as well as the previous two abilities we just covered. A rogue, at level 1, gets their sneak attack ability. This is the skill that turns a rogue into a striker powerhouse in combat, from just a middling melee without any tanking ability. This is where a rogue shows their expertise in combat, striking subtly, precisely, and taking advantage of the distraction affecting their foes. Once per turn, a rogue can deal 1d6 extra damage with an attack with a finesse or ranged weapon. To be able to deal this extra sneak attack damage, the rogue must either have advantage on the attack roll, or have an enemy of the target, typically an ally of the rogue, within 5 feet of the target, and the ally isn't incapacitated, and the rogue does not have disadvantage on the attack roll. This damage increases at every odd level, up to an additional 10d6 once per turn by level 19. This really makes the rogue an incredible striker, consistently dealing piles of d6 even at range. While this doesn't match the paladin in regards to possible burst damage, it is extremely consistent and doesn't utilize resources such as the paladin spell slots. At second level, a rogue has gained enough experience in regards to combat that they began to utilize their quick mind and agility to assist themselves in combat. A rogue gains the ability to use a bonus action on each of their turns in combat. This bonus action can be used to dash, allowing the rogue to move up to their speed again that turn, disengage, allowing the rogue to move away from an enemy without giving the enemy a chance to retaliate against the rogue, or hide ducking behind an object or behind a wall to make themselves unseen and giving them a chance to make a hidden attack and deal that sneak damage. This ability gives the rogue more options on each of their turns, helping them become more mobile or set up what they aim to do better. At third level, a rogue focuses their skills into a specific role. A rogue chooses their subclass, their roguish archetype, at level 3. As of now, there are seven subclasses, those being the Thief, the Assassin, the Arcane Trickster, the Inquisitive, the Mastermind, the Scout, and the Swashbuckler. The Thief is the most classic form of rogue. In fact, the original class in old versions of D&D that did roguish actions was actually called the Thief. They can climb quickly, use objects as a bonus action, and their reflexes become incredibly sharp and sneaky. The assassin is pretty self-explanatory. They become experts at infiltration, including mimicking a target they've studied or forging identities. They also have some abilities that increase their damage, particularly against unsuspecting enemies. The arcane trickster is a magic user, but even less so than ranger or paladin. They are a one-third spellcaster, and they are of the spell's known type. They gain the ability to use the spell Mage Hand to do more fine actions, and their Mage Hand is invisible, and they can use their bonus action to control their Mage Hand. They also get a few abilities to use their magical abilities to benefit them or their allies, and even get an ability to literally steal spells from an opponent's spellcaster. The Inquisitive is the Sherlock Holmes type character gaining bonuses to telling if someone is lying, and becoming better at spotting hidden creatures and uncovering clues, including 
being much harder to trick with illusions. They also gain an ability to analyze their enemies and utilize their opponent's weaknesses. If the Inquisitive is Sherlock Holmes, then the Mastermind is the Moriarty. They can, after just a small amount of studying, take actions to pass themselves off as a native speaker of a particular land, also gaining proficiency with multiple tools to hide themselves. Other abilities they get are aimed at helping their allies, aiming to control the battlefield and their allies. They also end up becoming so deceitful that magic cannot read their thoughts or find out whether the mastermind is lying or not. The scout is skilled in wilderness survival. Not as skilled as a ranger, but skilled nonetheless. A scout has abilities and skills that allow them to move and duck and set up ambushes. The scout is a master of speed and mobility in combat, even gaining the ability to strike with their sneak attack twice in a turn, rather than just once. Lastly, but definitely not least, is the swashbuckler. This is the classic charismatic duelist. Their abilities allow them to move freely as long as they take an attack, and they can very much shake an enemy on 1v1, being able to use their sneak attack against an enemy they are alone against. They can use their charisma in combat to focus an enemy on them, and they can eventually become so skilled that if they miss an attack, they can try again with advantage to hit. This, in my opinion, is a very fun style of rogue. Outside of their subclass abilities though, at level 5, a rogue gets the ability to move and dodge with skill in order to reduce the harm done to the rogue by an attack. When an attacker hits a rogue with an attack, the rogue can use their reaction to cut the damage done in half. At level 7, a rogue has become even more incredible with their movement and skills, and have approached near supernatural levels of agility. When subjected to a dexterity saving throw to take only half damage from the effect, causing them to make the throw, a rogue will, if they pass the save, take no damage instead, and they will only take half damage from the effect even if they do fail. This, alongside their ability to dodge damage from an attack, means that a rogue quite often will be taking half damage or less from an attack against them. At 11th level, a rogue has really harnessed and focused their skills in an incredible way. They become completely reliable in regards to their skills. When a rogue makes an ability check with an ability that they are proficient in, the rogue can treat any roll on their d20 that's 9 or lower as a 10 instead, making it impossible for a rogue to roll less than 10 with a skill they are proficient in. At 14th level, a rogue's quick mind has become so focused, they can utilize their hearing to make sure they are aware of any threats around them, particularly other creatures. They are aware of the location of any creature within 10 feet of the rogue, even if the creature is hidden or invisible, as long as the rogue can hear. At 15th level, a rogue has strengthened their mind against any form of intrusion or loss of control. A rogue, at this level, gets proficiency in wisdom saving throws. At 18th level, a rogue's ability to duck and dodge, which we've seen the power of earlier, has become even more focused, now constantly being active in regards to attacks against them. At this point, an enemy cannot have advantage in regards to an attack against the rogue, as long as the rogue isn't incapacitated. 
This makes the rogue much harder to hit, and even if the enemy hits, it's likely the damage will be halved. At level 20, a rogue has uncovered an uncanny knack for luck. They can seemingly bend luck to their whim once in a while, turning what seemed like an utter failure into a success. If a rogue misses with an attack roll at this level, they can just turn that miss into a hit. Another option the rogue has in regards to this shaping of fate is that in regards to an ability check, if a rogue fails, they can instead treat the roll on the d20 as a 20 instead of the number they rolled. The rogue doesn't need to have proficiency in the skill to do this, making it more versatile than the rogue's reliable skill, but a rogue can only use this ability of bending luck in either form once per short or long rest. The rogue is THE martial striker. While a monk can put out decent damage across a flurry of attacks in a turn, and a barbarian in a rage can definitely put the hurt on an enemy, a rogue is the class in regards to consistent damage, turn after turn. A rogue sneak attack takes effect right away, dealing an additional 1d6 and growing to 10d6. Dealing anywhere between 1d6 and 10d6 once a turn is a kind of damage output that's hard to meet or exceed without using up limited resources, like a monk's key points, a barbarian's rage, or a paladin's spell slots for smites. A rogue can also pull a light spacer roll, similar to the ranger, using a ranged weapon, and with some subclass abilities, rogues can do some tactical support in regards to their spacing. A rogue is less skilled in regards to support as other classes, especially those with healing magic. As a tank roll, a rogue doesn't shine especially well because of their d8 for a hit die, although a rogue can typically reduce the damage they take. This, paired with certain abilities or skills that might allow the rogue to draw enemy fire to them, can make a rogue more defensive, but still not as good of a tank as a barbarian or paladin. In regards to what pairs well with rogue, quite a few classes pair well. A ranger rogue is a stealthy sly master of stealth. A fighter rogue is a true martial combat expert, dashing and dancing around the battlefield, although they have no magic to enhance themselves with, unless they take certain subclasses. In my opinion, a rogue combined with a caster class to increase their ability can make a truly deadly threat. And of course, the most versatile combination in regards to skills is the incomparable rogue-bard combo. This combo, of course, comes with some very serious baggage that we do have to discuss. We've briefly discussed the reputation of bards in the past, and we mentioned the stereotypical lone wolf ranger. We discussed the old natures of paladins, with the dreaded lawful good paladin that goes way too far. Rogue has its own version of this. There's a three-word combination that has a very heavy stigma on it in D&D in regards to class and alignment. You have the Lawful Good Paladin and the Chaotic Neutral Rogue. We've discussed alignment in the past, but I'll be honest, alignment deserves its own deep dive in regards to the nuances thereof. Enough people have taken the Chaotic Neutral alignment and interpreted it as a character who does whatever they want whenever they want without caring for the consequences, leading to a character who burns down the inn and an orphanage because a child had a cool hat. They then justify their horrendous actions as just playing their character. This is not chaotic good, 
but rather a form of chaotic evil, or as some people call this type of chaotic neutral, chaotic stupid. A chaotic neutral character puts their freedoms above all else, but they don't just do whatever they want. I think the best example of a chaotic neutral rogue is Julie d'Aubigny. She was an opera star and duelist in 17th century France. She started her career as a duelist by traveling and giving demonstrations of fencing dressed as a man, although she was on the run since her partner had killed a man in a duel. Once she had joined the opera, as she was a fantastic singer as well, she fell in love with a beautiful woman. The woman's parents shipped the woman off to a convent, but Julie was not deterred, then entered into the convent, and eventually stole a body, snuck it into the woman's room, and they snuck out together burning the room behind them to hide the evidence, trying to make it appear as though the woman had died in the fire. That is a chaotic neutral. Body snatching and burning down a building, like so many chaotic neutrals do, but for a reason. For love. For the freedom to love who they wanted to. If you're going to play a chaotic neutral rogue, make sure to have a reason for your actions more than I wanted to or they have a tiny thing that I want. We've discussed the rogue now, so you know what to look out for. Watch out for dark alleyways, but also look out for the shopkeep who smiles a little too wide at the glint of gold. A rogue can be anywhere, especially where you least expect. Next time, we'll discuss the most innately magical class, sorcerers. Until then, keep your wits about you and your coin purse close. I'd like to thank you for listening, and I ask you to rate us highly on whatever channel you're using to listen. If you want to follow this on Twitter, check out at the Tavern Keep and tweet about us using hashtag Tavern Keep. If you want to support this project, other than sharing it on social media, you can check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash the Tavern Keeps Guide. I'm Ryan, and this has been the Tavern Keeps Guide. Thank you, and make sure to tip the barmaids.